All right, thank you for listening to this podcast. This episode of Literally is sponsored by Lexicon and Line. Case, tell us a little something about Lexicon and Line. Uh, Lexicon and Line it does three things. They, they are com- communications consultants. They teach professional business writing and speaking courses, and they are research and data evaluation experts. And you can find everything about Lexicon Online at lexicononline.com. Please give them a visit. And thank you so much for sponsoring this podcast, Lexicon Online. Hi, this is Case Johnston. This is the Literally Podcast. Today we're broadcasting from the camper in the Monarch uh, in Ogden, Utah. Today we're talking to Heather Sappenfield about her most recent book, Life at the Speed of Us. And Heather is joining us from Colorado, right? Vail. From Vail. Um, and you'll find hints of this throughout the book as there's snowboarders and skiers and there's there's discussions or a large kind of look at the differences in demographics between people who live and work in Vail and those who are rich. Um, so, you know, that happens. Uh, and, and Heather and I have had discussions about this. A background about our relationship. Heather and I both went to Pacific University for our MFA um, and then by chance met again last um, summer. It wasn't this summer. It was last summer, 2018, when we were both asked to come and teach at Western State University's uh, summer uh, writing conference, um, which now that David's gone, I didn't get invited back again. Did you? I did not. I no. did not either. So, but no. <laughs> I, I wanted to, but um, yeah. So David, he's up in in Idaho, I guess. He's at Jackson Hole, and I was in. But um, so today we're going to talk about Heather's book. For she's going to start us off by uh, reading a chapter from it, or a, a section of a chapter from it. All right, go for it. I slumped on the curb, burning from Gabe's kiss. I tore open the sandwich, determined to be good, but on the third bite, I exploded up and headed into the snow. With no idea where I was going, I ended up on the recreation path that snakes along the river and through town. There's a short stretch between Crystal Village and school that hugs the banks between an arch of regal spruce. It feels protected, safe. Four inches of snow had covered the path since they'd plowed that morning and my knees lifted high. At each stab of my ribs, I said, I can, I can stay in control. I can hang on to that thread of goodness. I can remember dad holding me on the couch, holding my hand through the sled's tarp. I can resist gauge. Gauge equals smoking, drinking, drugs. I can, I can, I can. I tried to summon mom's voice from memory saying, you can write with me, but it wouldn't come. Snow raced at my eyes, hair escaped from my hood, and pestered my cheeks. I broke back tears, stumbled on the path's edge, and slammed against a tree before I hit ground. Damn it! I rolled to my knees and pulled my feet beneath me, left palm against bark for balance. A sound, like a plucked cello string, vibrated through me. Eighteen vibrations seemed to shimmer out my quill-pock cheek. Soft sun... New green grass, a fly's zzzz. I lifted my head, blinking. Mom and I strolled toward me on the path. Mom's arm curved around my waist, and the sovereign in front of me listened as she spoke. See, Mom said, always believe you can. I blinked. I'd gone insane. The sovereign looked my age, but content. She smiled a little and wore black slacks and a pale blue blouse, a blouse I'd never owned. 
Her hair weaved a French braid. Mom's flowery dress billowed against a breeze that brushed warm on my face. A butterfly flitted behind them. Yet this was nothing like the images on a movie screen. This was 3D. Real. Mom, I said. Her eyes leapt to me, her brown gaze more piercing, more determined, more alive than ever. Do people really gasp? That's the only way to describe the sound I made. I stepped toward her, hand reaching. White blur, stinging snow, biting wind. No, I rushed to where mom and I had stood. Of course there were no footprints, but they'd been so real. I imagined mom's arm around my waist, its comforting friction of embrace. That vision me seemed to be my opposite, not just because of the blouse and slacks, not just because of my tidily braided hair. No, the difference lay in how she held her body, the ease of her step, the suspension of her arms from unhunched shoulders, and the confident tilt of her chin. On that sob, these aspects of me were unified and relaxed. I ran my fingers across my brow. If someone had taken a thousand photos of me over the past year, that brow would have been furrowed 999 of them. Now those furrows were deeper than ever. Mom had looked right at me. She'd hurt me. I considered my wet converse, my dirty jeans, my empty sleeved parka, the bulge of my sling, and the scraggly ends of my hair. No doubt my cheeks were chafed from cold, like my hand now stuffing my hair into my hood. I studied my lone tracks, followed them with my gaze to the tree and the matted circle where I'd fallen, and then back down the recreation path till I disappeared around a curve. Each step was long since I'd lifted my knees, each footprint solitary. Snow pelted my back and it seemed the loneliest trail in the world. Good, thank you so much. Um, this this chapter, um, what what chapter is that? I just had it open. Let's see. This is chapter six. Chapter six, and this it's on page forty. I got it right here, forty five. Right, forty yeah. begins on page forty five, and this is something I wanted to talk about, and I I have to admit this, um, um, because I can be bossy at times. That I uh I I, I Heather asked what she should read, and I said I think you should read that chapter, um, <laughs> um, because I was thinking about a larger question for the overall book and so this book is uh life at the speed of us uh, published in 2016 um and it's done well i mean even on the cover it says has colorado book awards finalist um and you just got another award too didn't you is this a yes yeah my story collection which a few of the stories i wrote at pacific while i was there with you um that just won the v press lc book compilation prize and it will be coming out in june oh that's no late next summer Excuse me. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. Um, so um, in, in throughout the book, you'll see Heather uh, do this kind of equation uh, where the uh, where the narrator says um, something plus sovereign, who is the, the narrator's um, uh, uh, name, the protagonist's name. And then it's usually like equals disaster or equals loss of love or equals dead deers um, and something like that. And so... Uh, <laughs> And so throughout that, I was thinking, you know, with all these awards, it seems like with Heather, it's, you know, Heather plus a book equals an award. So congratulations <laughs> on on recent stuff. Um, um, I was thinking that. and But, but with this chapter, um, and I think this goes back to writing and craft. And, and to me, I, 
I have a legitimate question in this. So if I t- I'm talking, I'm sorry, but I'm building it up with pay- pacing, you know, within a book, um, which is very difficult for me to do. I, I, I like to put my c- catalytic moment like on pay- on the 60,000th 60, word and then have to rewrite the whole book. Um, but you'll see, I mean, you can see from this this chapter, it's a young woman sovereign um, who has lost her mother. Do you mind if I give a little background? Um, no. Who's lost her mother uh, to a car accident on uh, February of the previous year, and she, it's her anniversary of her mother's death, um, and feels guilty because of this because she was complaining at bout school. Her mom reached over to touch her leg and then to calm her, and then they got in a car accident. Um, and so there's a whole lot of guilt and shame um, that's placed on the protagonist throughout the book. Um, but this chapter takes us from reality or from one universe into another universe um and that changes the or alters the course of the entire book and of of course the the life of the protagonist so when it comes to craft is there a naturally as a writer are you good at finding that moment that changes the protagonist's direction easily or is this something that comes within revision Oh, well, I am myself a dyslexic. Mm -hmm. And so this book, Dyslexia, plays a large part of that. Um, And I'm also um, a reading specialist. And Mm -hmm. so this book is actually a swan song for me to all of the students that I've had who have been just very good at math or very good at other things, but not at reading. Um, And one of the ways that for me, dyslexia manifests itself is that stories arrive sort of in their entirety. Mm -hmm. I'm such a big picture person that they're there. And so the crux of what drives a character and what, and the story arc, it's pretty fully formed. Like, I don't know all the details, Mm -hmm. but it's pretty much there. And so, um, the moment or the thing that increases and drives, the conflict to greater and greater pressure, um, it arrives pretty naturally. It's it's pretty much there. Mm -hmm. It's one of the benefits of being dyslexic Mm -hmm. pretty well for me. But but I will say, I'll write a book first, and then I go back and I tweak and I tweak and I tweak. So if it makes sense, Mm -hmm. I get all the details right. So as far as pacing, it's sort of there and it's kind of I think it comes kind of naturally to me I feel sort of lucky in that respect mm-hmm. it's there. yeah yeah well that's good I I need to glean some of that from you because pa- <laughs> uh, pacing for me is especially in my fiction is difficult I'll take 60,000 words and develop a character then I'm like okay what should happen to him you know and then uh, nothing ever gets published so maybe that's something to do with it um, but uh, no and well, I, I love it it is quick and it is, it is fast. Well, I do have to say, say, though, which is, so when I was at Pacific, I studied with Bonnie Jo Campbell for mm. my second two semesters. I am a person, I've been an elite athlete for a lot of my life, and I'm an adventurer as well. And if I'm not out every day getting exercise or doing something, um, then I, I just, I'm a little nutty. And mm. she used to call me her husky dog student mm-hmm. like I write like I'm a husky dog that needs to be mushing along all the all time, the time huh? and so my stories tend to have they don't sit around a lot 
there's a lot of moving on. Yeah. Now that said, um, this book is young adult crossover. Right. So with that in mind, you know, I, there's not a lot of hanging out and dwelling and scenic description and, mm-hmm. um, you know, flowery vocabulary is there, but to, not to the extent that it might be in an adult, an adult novel. Mm-hmm. So, but you combine those things and yeah, I'm always going to have a story that's scooping along. Yeah. I love it. I mean, it's fun and it, 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 it cruises forward and it's good writing and you're like, you're invested. And, um, that's something that writers should look for. I always share these with my students. So I, I like to ask questions like this that say, Oh, how do you do this? Um, and, uh, with this story, we get that, uh, would you call it magical realism or would you call it more of, uh, science fiction when it comes to, you know, I would call this particular book would be soft science fiction. Okay. I would say the time travel and the science elements. My first novel had, they called it magical realism. Right. Um, this one has, um, had, I would say soft science fiction, time it- travel. Because of time travel and because of yeah, and because of yeah. uh, physics and calculus and yeah. looking at the bending of time and yeah okay so that makes sense to me and so um, when writing this one you said you are you get this huge grasp of a novel in your brain before you get started um, have you ran into an editor that looked at that draft and said well we you know, the, the third act doesn't work or the first act doesn't work. And, um, how does that, how does that play itself out if you have? Well, um, I have not run into that yet. You know, I've, I've had the two books and then this collection of short stories at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, and like I said, after I've written it, I do go back and I change things quite a lot, but Mm -hmm. who the crux of that, who that character is that drives the story tends to pretty much stay the same. Um, so have I had an, no, but this book, so this book actually was very stylistic when I first sent it to flux. Mm-hmm. Um, it really reflected more of sort of sovereign's language and her agony and the fact that she didn't talk much Right. more artistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and my editor said, mm, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> And so I basically rewrote the entire voice of the story. Right. That, um, which was actually really hard. I, you know, at first I thought, oh, I don't know if I want to do that because I was really pretty attached to it. And my agent was too. Yeah. Um, but then I, you know, I'm always one that's willing to try. And I really liked my editor. And so, you know, I thought I'll go into it for a few days and give it a shot. And I didn't, you know, I thought, okay, I'll just keep it up. And so the, her voice changed quite a lot. It's still there a bit more in the beginning. You can kind of see her her grammar's a little off mm-hmm. um, and speaks is a little off. And then she gets more, as she talks more throughout the book, she speaks more smoothly. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Um, voice is the hardest thing, right? I mean, yeah. it's sort of change voice seems to me like, well, well yeah, like you can change plot. I mean, plot's like, well, you know, they go left instead of right, you know, and then think something exploded. Um, but with voice, it's that's the heart of the character. And if your readers don't like the voice, you're in trouble. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's great. I'm glad you were able to do it because your editor knew what she was talking about. And so that's that's great. Um, I applaud it, too, because I think if somebody said change voice, I would be like, I don't know about changing voice, you know, change voice. I might go somewhere else, you know, cause that's hard to do. I've changed PO, POB, which is yeah. really hard because it changes yeah. 
how close you are to a character and stuff. But, uh, but that character's voice was always kind of there, at least within dialogue. Um, so, well, that's really, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so, but, so that was that, that kind of moment that changes her book happens page 45. So it's probably only like 10,000 words into the book, right? 20,000 words. Right. Into the book, if, if yeah, that, yeah. and exactly. so, yeah, if yeah. that, and so, um, for people listening and I, like I said, I share this with my students. Um, I've heard this more than ever start close to that action. Start as close as you can to that action as you possibly can, but you have to build up voice and kind of character development really quickly before you do it. So, um, take Heather's advice and get just, just, you know, draft the whole thing in your head and then write it. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so, so if you can do that, just do it. Um, so another question I had too is, on the science, you know, yeah. how much of a learning curve? I mean, because it's, it, let me let's say for your audience, I think it's done really, really well in the sense that there is a lot of that scientific element in it, but it's, it's, and it's unraveled in a way that for a, uh, for a young adult crossover audience, they can digest it and move forward instead of like, you know, having really heavy Stephen Hawking, uh, like, um, uh, equations in there and we have to decipher it. How much of a learning curve was that for you? Or does that something you came into it with? So I've been married for a long time to a science geek. Mm -hmm. I love science. And so I'm, I literally like sign up for science classes online and, and things about, um, uh, physics. And, you know, I, I, I attend the world science festival that Brian Green puts on in New York. Cause those are fabulous online courses. And so for me, it's, it's a love that I'm fascinated by. I mean, yeah. I think the first time I read about quantum physics, I cried because it was just so, it just seemed so on and so fascinating and, mm -hmm. and just like it answered many things that I wondered about. So for me, I, I wanted to tie this in um, because I, I, I just liked, I wanted to explore the concept and to bring that into it. That said, um, I know that for like my daughter's generation, she just turned 21, um, quantum physics and, and that kind of thinking, they have, they are growing up with that and it's right. much more available. I mean, it's just kind of second nature to them. Yeah. So a lot of the things that I have in here aren't even necessarily new things. Right. Right. Um, it's just kind of their world. Yeah. Like the spider verse is very, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, we just, we have multiple universes and they're right. living in Marvel and yeah, absolutely. Right. So, so I wanted to bring that in, but then once you, you know, you end up in so many paradoxes when you write about, you know, multiple universes. And then I started realizing that, well, gosh, you know, it could, could go forward, backward, sideways, any direction. We don't know at this point, mm -hmm. you know, could you back in time, forward in time, other dimensions, what? And so I just decided to open the doors wide and, and let it go at that and explore those areas. Did that scare you? I mean, I, oh, yeah, it's, it's also fun. Yeah. Um, and so you just have to go with it. And yeah. 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 I, I started writing a book once about a, a girl who could travel wherever she wanted to go, just if she concentrated. And I made it about 10,000 words in, like, I'm no good at this. And I gave it up, you know, and I was, but I was really scared about it. I was like, well, people are going to just call me out on it and say, well, what, how can she touch that? And that doesn't go anywhere. And how does she touch it? And I'm like, well, I'm done. I'm going to write about it. I'm going to yeah. write, I'm going to write about planting chilies. And that's what I did. <laughs> I wrote a whole book about planting and harvesting like chilies in the desert, you know, and that's, that's my current 
<laughs> my current book. I'm like, I can find out about chilies. I can research enough about chilies that nobody can like. There's some chili fanatics out there. There are some chili fanatics. And so I'm like, that scares me to send somebody somewhere just through mentally. So I'm going to write about chilies and sometimes I'll write about like, I don't know, tortillas. Um, so that At one point I studied with Brady Udall as well at, at um, Pacific and something he said really stuck with me, which is if you write about anything with enough authority and consistency, your readers will come with you. Okay, that's good to hear. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, and I, thought, I know a lot about chilies. <laughs> <laughs> You just you just punt it and, yeah. and go with it and let it let it run and then you know you have to catch all the inconsistencies yeah. along the way. Yeah. That said, I am fascinated by and, and and it comes through in the book how we have uh, so many different selves, so many different aspects of ourselves, and then the multiverse is one way of looking at how many different selves there can be. Yet, at our core, at our deepest soul level, yeah. there's this truth of who we are. Oh, yeah. um, but I think we all understand. And for me, in all of my books, and I would say in my short stories too, when we tap, when I can tap into that moment, no matter what all of the other fringy, husky things that are going on, all the racing along, then then I know I'm in the right spot with my character at yeah. that point. So, yeah, that sense where you can find that, oh, that's who I really am. This yeah. is the this is the this is me in this crazy world, yeah. And and in this one, you're an 18 year old you. Is that is <laughs> that hard? Is that mindset hard? Um, you know, because I personally I skip from I'm either in my books I'm either eight or I'm 48. You know, so it's <laughs> like, well, is 18 for this audience something that you think about, or is it something you just write, like you said, tap into? So, um. I think that's a little multifaceted. So I taught high school English mm-hmm. for five years. Um, and so, and, and actually, Sovereign is actually modeled a bit after a girl that I had in class that was a snowboarder and her mom had died and she was struggling. And she she would show up late to class all the time. And she was a manager at Starbucks because she, she had left home and she was just making it. And she would bring me a Starbucks coffee every time to make up for being late to class, you know, mm-hmm. and she really stayed with me. And just the struggle of, of what, how hard it can be at that age, yeah. because trying to find that who you are is, you know, that's the height of it. Although so much adult fiction too, we moved through that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I had a really difficult childhood and I left home when I was 17, packed up my orange gremlin and hopped in the car and, um, that was during my senior year in high school. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think it's one of my um, passions to write about that time and that age because I think it is a defining time. Um, and so, so I like I like hanging out there. I yeah. I feel it's a it's a good place to explore. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. It felt I mean it felt like you know as um, you know as we are as writers we. And Brandon's gave us the 10, so we're, we're on the countdown for our five, and then you get your five. Um, <laughs> as writers, we look at that stuff. You know, we look at voice, and we say, is this 18-year-old working? And it's something we can't not do. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually teach a class for Southern New Hampshire in their graduate program that teaches people to read like writers. And so once you do, you can never change what, you know, <laughs> that. And so, you know, in the book, um, and let me, it's uh, Life at the Speed of Us, um, 
yeah, we get an 18 year old girl who's struggling, who lost her mom and who's dealing with her dad and her, her dad's dealing with her and, and this boyfriend who, uh, comes across at first as really not a nice guy at all until we see his, his, the other sides of him in the multiverse and, um, and her struggle to recognize what is good for her and what is not good for her. And we get, I, we get moments, lots of moments of this kind of dramatic irony where we, where Heather has given us, um, the reader's insight into what's happening in the, to the protagonist, but the protagonist doesn't know what's happening to her. And so it's that nice second layer of, of us as readers saying, Hey, you know, stop that. (laughs) You know, I mean, don't do that. Don't go, you know, um, don't do that. And why are you doing that? And that's a nice trick, um, or craft element that, um, isn't, doesn't come easily. That's why I'm a memoirist and I can just make fun of myself, um, and not have to worry about adding that second level. Uh, it's a great book that I think you should pick up. It's uh, and the new story collection that's coming out next next year. Do you have a title for it? Lyrics for rock stars. Lyrics for rock stars. And what press is it? It's V Press LC. It's a newer press um, started by some women that I admire in the industry, right. and I decided to submit to their contest and win. You decide to win. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. well, I'm... that collection had actually been a finalist a multiple five times before. One of them, the Flannery O'Connor Award, right. and. And I set it aside and I was like, I can't look at it anymore. But then I recently brought it out and restructured the stories and the order so that it really spoke beyond um, itself. Yeah. The stories work together. And, and lo and behold, it worked. So, well, congratulations yeah. again. Um, Thank you. This is Case Johnson. This is Literally Podcast. Today we're talking to Heather Sappenfield about her book, Life at the Speed of Us. And we already hit that 30 minute mark. I told you you wouldn't believe it, right? It's super fast. And so, the last five minutes of the podcast, I just want to ask Heather if she wants to share anything with us about her, about the book, about a current project, about anything uh, before we sign off. Um, I'm working on a new book, which is uh, literary adult fiction right now mm-hmm. and uh, humorous. So no angst, <laughs> 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 no, lots of angst, but it's, it's funny. And it's about a, a 38 woman who befriends an 83 year old woman and the adventures that they have because of it. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. It's I've, good. I've <laughs> always wanted to write an old man, like 89, um, you know? Oh, and I'm just, having so much fun with it. Yeah, I just want to be, you know, I mean, walk out as an 80-year-old man and see where does this guy go? You know, it's, it's, it sounds it's, like so much fun. Yeah. Um, so you can find Heather. She has Her website is heathersavenfield.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And you can check out all her work there, her short work, her longer works, um, and anything that she's working on there. So thank you again for dropping by virtually um, <laughs> to talk to us. And... Thanks. You bet. Thank you, Chris. Good to see you.